You're listening to the Community Pulse Podcast, a podcast on developer relations, community management, and everything in the tech community spectrum. Welcome your hosts, Mary Thangball, Jason Hand, and PJ Haggerty. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the November issue of the Community Pulse. I'm PJ Haggerty at Splenic on Twitter. And I'm Jason Hand at Jason Hand on Twitter. And Mary is absent today. She is on the road and busy doing all the things that Mary always does. But you can check her out at Mary underscore Grace on Twitter. Uh, since we're talking about Twitter already, that's kind of the focus of this episode is uh, Twitter, friend or foe. And joining us are two definite friends. Uh, we have Harper Reed and Emily Freeman. Why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? Okay. I am Emily Freeman. I am an advocate over at Microsoft currently. I'm like six weeks in, so I'm still in that very honeymoon period. Um, but yeah. Hello, my name is Harper Reed. I'm an entrep- entrepreneurist type of guy. I don't even know how to say entrepreneur. I'm a, I'm a speller and a word sayer. Um, my background is a technologist. I was a CTO for the Barack Obama re-election campaign. I started a company called Modest that I sold to PayPal. And uh, now I'm just kind of hanging out trying to figure out what's next, which is great and fun and also terrible. Hmm. Well, it's exciting at the very least. It's what's really your- exciting. It's hard. No what's doubt. Twitter. Harper. Yeah. It's at Harper. Just Harper. Which, which brings up our first, our first big question to kick off the discussion. Do you have a separate professional and personal account on like Twitter? We'll start with Twitter, but on other social media too. I don't, no. Okay, interesting. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't. I mean, I can expand. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be great since this is a listening podcast. <laughs> uh, I thought it was a deposition. Um, no, I don't. I've thought about it, but I think the only followers of that would be like my mother, probably Maddie Stratton, because he's glorious. Um, and so like no one would, it would just be me screaming into the ether. And then someone would naturally discover it and pin it back to me. And that'd be terrible. So yeah. Yeah, that's been my concern is especially when I was doing the Obama campaign, there are all these things I couldn't say online. Um, where they were like, you cannot swear anymore on the internet or, you know, only talk about weather. That was the, the suggestion. But I had all these feelings that I just put out on the internet before and after. So I thought about setting up what, what, what do you call it? A Finsta, but for Twitter? A Twista? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I just thought about setting up a fake Twitter account, but then I was like, I'll fuck this up. Like, I will definitely somehow link the two and then it'll be worse than if I had just said that stuff on my regular one. Um, yeah. So I just said, let's keep things simple. Let's let not complicate them. It's kind of like lying. Twitter is. Yeah. Well, there's a persona you have to develop. Cause I, I mean, a lot of people are like, Oh, I know what you're like in person. And I look at your Twitter and you're like the nicest, most clean spoken guy who occasionally writes weird open letters to large companies. It's like, yep, that's what I do on Twitter because I run a business and I have to keep that business afloat. Um, I can't be like, fuck the police, regardless of how much I feel that that's the right thing to say right now. Um, and it's, it's also just more work too, like to have, you know, like another account to sort of manage. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah, for sure. And manage and, like a uh, different voice, a different, totally different brand than like what you are, I guess. But I also think it's, I don't think it's easy to even just managing that you, there's a lot of opportunities for mistakes. Like I, um, there's a famous story actually with the Barack Obama account where someone at the DNC um, 
tweeted at their favorite taco truck, being like, yo, swing by this address so we can get some tacos. And, but it was from the Barack Obama account instead of their personal account. <laughs> and then, of course, the taco truck was like, oh, shit, we got to go over there. It <laughs> was just like, yo, I want some tacos. And then, and of course, the DNC person thought they were going to lose their job slash mine slash be embarrassed forever. And so I think that's, you know. But in reality, they got, a, they got a cabinet position because Barack was like, all right, I wanted tacos too. This works out. Yeah, yeah pretty much. I mean, that is how the Democrats worked then. Um, tacos are, really. Tacos yeah, are. Taco truck on taco truck on every corner. I, I support this. I support this 100%. Um, I can say I, I don't have, well, I have like my personal account and I have the professional account for the, for the company that I run, Deverlate. Um, and I also run Twitter for a couple of the, the clients that I have. I have had like parody accounts, but at the same time, like they're so G-rated. Um, I mean, one of them was my phone that I lost in Berlin and, and just talking about where it might be and tweeting about that phone. Um, or a toilet paper scandal, the toilet paper gate situation of 2014 that will live in infamy forever um, because there's a Twitter account about it that's just about me needing toilet paper at various times in my life. Um, that's a whole other long story. But it seems that like when you have this consistent Twitter presence, um, for lack of a better term, like people have an expectation of, A, you're going to keep everything above board. Even if you let your feelings know, you're going to do it in a succinct and clean way. And like Harper, like you were saying, you're not going to swear too much because that's too offensive. And you're not going to be too, you know, you're not going to push things too far because you have to be this very like middle ground person, especially because you have, there's this expectation that's set, set for you. Um, I even thought, I even felt like I didn't really want to swear that much. And even if I look at it now, I don't swear that much. However, it was this like the fact that someone said you couldn't made me want to swear like a pirate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's like, you know, the, the don't think about the elephant. If I say don't think about the elephant, the first thing you say is like, hmm, elephants. Um, but, you also, I think, start to feel really boxed in. So it's like, okay, well, I can't say that and I can't say that and I can't say that. What do I talk about? And at some point, how can I remain authentic to who I am while also not offending anyone, which is impossible? Mm -hmm. Wow, that is a great point. And just real quick, let's get a word from our sponsor. Are you building cloud applications with Java, AI, machine learning, serverless, and containers? IBM Developer provides a large number of code patterns, sample applications, articles, tutorials, and videos to help you build faster. All code is available on GitHub. You can incorporate any code into existing applications or use it to start a new application. Simply go to developer, .ibm.com to access IBM developer resources and start building. Find us on Twitter at at IBM developer. Um, some of this leads into like the, I think the next main topic we want to talk on is like when you start just being honest with how you feel and what you're thinking and all these things, like people kind of come out in defense or on the attack. And yeah. I think that's like another, I don't know, just scary part of, being yourself out there on, on the Twitters, you know, there's just there's too many people who just disagree with you and um, it can be a dangerous area. Beyond, I think it goes beyond that though. I think there are actual, like what I would deem bad actors that are looking for you to fail. Like they enjoy that sort of process. It's not just that you messed up or they disagree. It's they're sort of like searching for it. And I right. think that's where, almost where, like sharks 
sharks or vultures circling and waiting for the mistake. And then they're like, yeah, blood in the water. Here we go. 100%. And, um, and I've actually seen that backfire, not necessarily on, on myself, but on other people. Um, you know, we mentioned our good friend, Eamon, someone attacked him on something that he did that they said was culturally insensitive. And he was like, this was, you know, this wasn't really culturally insensitive. This was a joke saying that we didn't understand how a certain thing worked. They were like, oh, I didn't realize you were Irish. You're one of the most culturally oppressed people, blah, blah, and backed off. And Eamon was left with a look on his face like, I have no idea what just happened on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just kind of this, like, this bizarre thing. Like, that's the th- I think see, people are so willing to wait for you to screw something up that when you do, sometimes they don't realize that you actually haven't. Yeah. Or that you didn't know. Right. right. Um, Brene Brown, I just got through uh, Braving the Wilderness. So this is, this book's going to come up because it actually like, if you're interested in this topic, I think it's a book that really dives into it. Um, and is like, it literally about the wilderness though? Because I am allergic. Uh, that's okay. You do not have to go outside. Um, okay, cool. No, it's sort of like the wilderness of your soul. And as, as a society, right. It's, it's sort of standing in those vulnerable places with other people and, and being honest about your feelings and that, Everything isn't as simple as we'd like it to be, right? People are complex, society is complex, issues are complex. Um, I don't know where I was originally going with this book. Uh, I don't know, but I will come back to it, I promise. (laughs) Harper, have you ever had any run-ins? Has anybody ever come after you on Twitter? Uh, Well, I was doxxed by the Lizard Squad once. What? Wow. That sounds exciting. Which was shocking. Um, I was trying to help a friend whose Twitter name had been stolen. And a bunch of these young hacker kids came after me. It was really interesting to kind of see their like hacker culture pop up into my feed in this really aggressive way. And it kind of de-escalated itself pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've had my fair of whether it's Republican kind of troll types or whether it's just politics based because that was the world I was in. But my favorite one actually is um, I get mistaken for Stephen Harper a lot on Twitter who is the former prime minister of Canada. And it's always this thing where people will come at me all strong being like, what the fuck you did this thing? And I'm just like, uh, probably the wrong Harper. Like it may be, but I don't have any power in Canada. And then they're always very apologetic, which is hilarious kind of stereotype of Canada, but also this interesting aspect of Twitter, which I don't normally see when someone comes at you and then if they're wrong, usually it just, you never hear from them again. It's just like, they ghost on you. But these folks would just be like, I'm so sorry. I'll redirect my anger to another Twitter account, you know, like, and then they'll figure out and they'll just, you'll just see them go at that Twitter account. I'm like, how nice would it be if all the people, like those people that went after Eamon, if they just like actually were like, Oh, my bad. Like actually (laughs) apologized in this kind of way. um, Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. And and I mean, I can't even imagine because Stephen Harper is not even that odd of a name that how many Harp, how many Harper related accounts did they have to go through? Until they finally hit the one that won't respond to them. <laughs> no, exactly. Because, I mean, it's not like the Prime Minister can't. I'm, I'm sure Justin Trudeau at this point is not, like, looking at his phone going, oh, I haven't seen anything from PJ today. Uh, <laughs> we should talk, eh? <laughs> I remembered my story from Brene Brown. Okay. Um, she, she speaks a lot, like I think most of us, and uh, she, was, she used the term gypped in one of her, her talks. Oh, that's gypped. not a good one. Yeah, gypsy is, is derivative from gypsy, which is, um, you know, a slur for Romani people. Um, 
fun fact, interestingly, gypsy comes from Egyptian when everything in Europe that was like foreign or odd was Egyptian. I think that's really interesting. Um, completely unrelated. And uh, so she, she gets off stage and this woman comes up to her and just lays into her. And it's like, you know, I trusted you. I believed in you. Um, I came here. I was so excited to see you and you've betrayed me. Like this really strong language. And, and Brene is sort of like taken aback. Like what, what did I do? Um, and so she, she enlightens her about that she used the term gypped. And um, Brene literally said, like, I actually didn't know. Like, it, it was ignorance. It wasn't malicious intent. It was ignorance. And so once the woman realized that, she kind of, like, stepped back. But I think it's really, um, I think you see that in a lot in our interactions these days, where it's, it's this assumption of negative intent um, instead of believing that people come from a good place. I didn't know that that's what that meant. That's where that came yeah. from. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's interesting because if you come from a certain time frame like that, that was a very common phrase that you never would think anything of. Yeah. 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 Well, there's lots of phrases like that. I think it's, there's, there's, you know, I just saw one um, link that was exactly the same kind of thing. Um, like rule of thumb. Oh yeah. Um, the rule of thumb. Like that's a pretty gnarly one when you start to look at the etymology of it. Like it's not great. So, okay. Wait, I'll explain. So, so the explanation is, uh, in, in Victorian England and in early American times, you were allowed to beat your, your wife provided that Shut the up. stick that you use was no thicker than your thumb, the rule of thumb. Oh right? my God. Is, so I saw this on Twitter, horrible? which was, which was interesting. I see this and I'm just like, motherfucker. Like yeah. not only how many times have I used this in things where I'm just like trying to use some example and then I say that and I'm just like this is not good so now I've read I'm, it in, yeah, I've I read no it in like academic papers like exactly. it's used all over the place right yeah it, I mean if it, we could probably do a whole episode on the etymology yeah. of certain idioms yeah um, I would say 90% of idioms are probably not good in origin um, <laughs> yeah you know seems fair somehow so, I mean even like don't look a gift horse in the mouth what the hell does that mean yeah, I'm afraid to look it up now. Community. I know. This is we need a third podcast. Jason Community Pulse <laughs> investigates. Amazing. Um, <laughs> it's just uh, sponsored by Wikipedia. Citation needed. Um, but yeah, so I think it's interesting. Like, because uh, Emily, you and you and Harper both brought up this interesting idea of people who had been confronted in public about something they said publicly. Yeah. Um, I've never. I've only once ever been confronted by anyone who confronted me about something that I said on Twitter. Um, but I think that there's an interesting dynamic there in the fact that like, if you say something on Twitter, you tweet something out, people have no problem, like dropping everything they're doing to call, to call your shit out, whether it's shit or in fact, not shit. Um, mm -hmm. that was interesting. Um, do you, do you feel that like, if you were to say something, like if you were to make a, a, a gaff, a verbal gaff or something like that in a talk or in public, how likely do you think someone is to call you out on it? On Twitter? Either way, either. Because, I mean, it could be you say something publicly and they immediately jump to Twitter to say something about it. Mm -hmm. Or they come up to you after the talk and they're like, hey, I don't like the phrase you used for such and such. I think I the latter is much more rare than the former. I think Twitter... In person? Yeah, yeah. It's, I, would it, be, it would be preferable. Like, if, if I right. made a mistake or I said something poorly in a talk, I want to know. And I want to have that sort of intimate conversation with someone that for me builds trust and it builds rapport 
um, coming after me on Twitter is going to incite like a different reaction from me just because I'm human. But I'm curious if your thoughts, Harper. Well, I think there's a couple, a couple interesting things. Like I do a lot of public speaking like the rest of us. And um, there's always that Q&A where it's open part of the talk, right? Where someone gets up there. I don't really want to be confronted then just because I think oftentimes these confrontations are very nuanced. Um, and I also want to be able to listen. And you're not listening really when you're doing Q&A. You're trying to put, you know, you're trying to do your talk. You're trying to do the show. Um, but I do like when people afterwards will come up and say, hey, you know, you mentioned this thing and I want, I want, I want to tell you my side of it or I want to say why you're wrong or right or what have you. I really appreciate it. But like you said, it just rarely happens. When it does, it almost is much more, I don't know. It feels good. I like that interaction. Okay. I've had it happen a couple times online. Um, like on Twitter, where people will try and correct me. And, and it's a little bit, I feel when I see that, I, little, I feel a little bit of like, oh my God, someone's wrong on the internet type of vibe where I'm like, I got to fix this. You know, so then it's <laughs> like, I'm on Twitter being like, oh, you know, and then, it, then it's like, but does it actually matter? Like, is this a drive-by tweet? Like, what is the, like, what is my interaction model? Am I trying to gain something from this? Is it good? Um, but one thing I do is every time I have a talk, the first slide is my Twitter account. And I say, please engage with me. I'd love to talk more about this online. Like I'd love, I do that also because I, I, I'm literally trying to get more followers. <laughs> <laughs> I like your um, honesty. <laughs> but, but second, because I actually do enjoy it when people engage, especially if there's something where they say, Hey Harper, like you did said this, but in my experience, this is what has happened, which has happened a number of times. I really appreciate it. I like that engagement. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think the difference is too, I think when someone's going to engage you positively and say, hey, what you said was maybe a little wrong or maybe a little right, but you know, they want to, there's, there's like a teaching moment there for lack of a better term. Yes. They want to be like, let me educate you about this thing that you talked about. I have a different perspective. When you, that you're more likely to do that in person. I think when you, when you jump to Twitter and start attacking, like there's no nuance. I mean, and this is cliche to say. You don't know the intonation of someone who's on Twitter. You're guessing yeah. via emoji and number of exclamation points. Mm -hmm. um, as someone who often types and speaks in capital letters, um, I understand that intonation is important. Um, but at the You're same also, time... Yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. You're also interpreting, like, um, I think a lot of times when this stuff happens and it, it sort of piles up on itself, like dogpile-wise, like someone says something poor on Twitter, um, and we don't know the intent. But then when it's quote tweeted, you are then interpreting someone else's interpretation of that tweet. And yeah. so that's essentially where that, like the intonations get added on and then you get that, not from the person. Right, like, like almost you're being given rose colored goggles. Like, you know, yeah. if someone, if, like if someone re does the quote retweet and just like, can you believe this shit? You already have an idea that you can't believe that shit. Mm -hmm. before you read what you can or cannot believe. Yeah, it primes you, it anchors you. And I, I thoroughly, I do this sometimes myself because it's, mm -hmm. you have a knee-jerk reaction and Twitter, you know, now, how long has Twitter been around? It's like 12 years or some crap. Still doesn't have a- 30, 35 or 40, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not good. No, <laughs> that was just spraying graffiti on walls was not Twitter. Do you, um, okay, I have a question for y'all. What, this, I love this kind of idea. There's two parts. One, have you ever deleted a tweet? Mm -hmm. And two, what happens if you're really wrong on Twitter? Like you get caught and you are just wrong as hell. Okay, so uh, let me go backwards. If I am wrong, I will admit to it. And I know that like I'm not trying to be like, hey, I'm PJ. I'm the coolest guy on Twitter. Um, yeah. 
But like, you know, if someone's wrong, like if someone's pointing out what I've done wrong or what I've said that was wrong, I actually appreciate that because you're trying to make it better what, I, what, I, what message I am trying to get out there. Like, please disagree with me. Because, you know, one, one of the toughest things about speaking publicly is everyone coming off and shaking your hand going like, hey, man, that was a great talk. That's not actually constructive feedback. That's just, you know, my mom coming to see my band play in high school. Uh, like, but if, if you're actually giving me like good critique, good feedback, I appreciate that. The only time I will delete a tweet, and I've actually tweeted about this and gotten in arguments with people, is if I've spelled something wrong. Um, really? I get really picky about spelling shit wrong. Um, which is really bad when you treat tweet after a few drinks, which I don't recommend to anyone. Um, I know a few, a few, uh, a couple months ago when I was talking to Emily about being on this episode, I was somewhere in Europe, had had a few drinks and I accidentally treated her a pro tip about how hiccups make tweeting really difficult. <laughs> that was supposed to be an actual tweet and not a DM to Emily. But it was amazing. <laughs> I really proved. I mean, pro tip hiccups aren't cool. Um, but that like to, to back to the point. You should admit when you're wrong publicly. You should maybe grab your thing and do the whole comment retweet on your own tweet and be like, hey, yeah. I said this. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. So-and-so pointed out. I thank them very much for bringing this to my attention. Like uh, you know, I'm changing my point of view. But deleting tweets, um, I mean, I know of a specific situation where someone said something very derogatory about an early developer um, and said they felt really bad and then went back and deleted the tweet history defending what they had done. And it was like, no, actually, that kind of makes you look like more yeah. of an ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Somebody own, wants own to your own, own your shit. That's all yeah, I mean. but to the point, like we were just saying, like some people will just retweet with, with anger without and not like I've seen people actually come out and, and cite, you know, say, I'm sorry for what I said. I was the wrong. But that tweet still existed and it kept going viral. And so they just kept getting hammered and hammered at mm -hmm. after they've already sort of been through. Uh, everything they can to to make it right. So it's a really weird. Uh, yeah, it's it's a fine balance because I imagine if if it's if it's something that's actually become something that makes your life difficult, then yeah, maybe delete the tweet. Uh, I have not been in that situation, so I can't say. I used to have a really strong view that I would never delete any tweets. I was like, no, I will live with all of my mistakes. Then I made a couple of mistakes where I just like tweet something and a friend would be like, yo, have you thought about this with that tweet? And I'd be like, oh my God. And then I would delete it. <laughs> and then like, and it was not so much that they were like bad or, or terrible as much as like, it was kind of like, uh, um, I was poking a bear. I did not know. Right. Right. And I was just like, you know, I'm just doing this for fun. Like I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time. I don't want to have to, I just don't want feelings like in my Twitter so much. I kind of want to just hang out with my friends. That's how it started at least. Um, and so I, a couple of times when my friends have like texted me and been like, yo, maybe take a look at this from this perspective. I'll be like, yo, okay, done. <laughs> um, that's only happened once or twice. I'm trying to even think of a good example. Uh, I just remember the, like breaking my own rule. But once you break that rule, now it's just like, eh. It's like that, that Instagram where it's like feeling cute, may delete, I don't know. You know, it's like that <laughs> where you're like, you're like, I like this tweet. I don't know. Maybe it didn't survive. I think, um, so I've done, I've deleted two tweets, I think. Um, and one, they've both been from people DMing me again, just as you're saying, Harper saying like, okay, this, this could be misinterpreted or this hurt someone's feelings or whatever. Um, one was just like a bad joke that I thought was funny yeah. in my head, like before coffee. Exactly. And, and it hurt someone's feelings and I'm not about that. So that got removed. And then the other one was like, 
think what it was. It was relatively small. Um, oh, that's what it was. I, I retweeted something from a guy that I didn't know. I just agreed with his statement. It was like, um, pro-choice and I'm pro-choice and I, I really liked the way he worded it. So I retweeted it and then someone DMs me right away and he had just been like accused of sexual assault during the whole like me too thing by like multiple women. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oopsie, I didn't even support that guy. Yeah, um, that's happened a few times where I've just been like, I won't support this person anymore by retweeting them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it gets tricky, right? Um, but in the, the case where someone like comes after or like there's like a public dispute, I always leave those tweets up because I think the history brings a lot more context. And I think it's important for everyone to sort of see the evolution of it, not just like the deletion of it. But I think, I think you bring up an interesting point though, too, is, is essentially like Twitter's ephemeral. Mm-hmm. Twitter's about in the moment I said this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems that it's evolved where people are looking back into histories to find, you know, like, Oh, Jason said this thing because he loves the banjo and you know about banjo players. You know what they say about people who love the banjo. Um, I don't know. That was the most innocuous thing I came up with Jay. I, know <laughs> but I think those are so right now. But yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's it, so that, that kind of brings up to like, is Twitter, has Twitter become like it went from here's where my friends are going to go hang out and get some pints and have a good time. And it's become like this other thing of professional value and branding. Like, is it a cesspool or is there still value there for good community interaction? I think so. I think I've thought about this a lot. I think there is great value because I've had amazing interactions on Twitter. I've met people through Twitter, people I feel like I know, like that I, I reach out to when I'm hurting. Like those are really real relationships, even though they're not in-person relationships. Um, but I think the negative experiences, at least for me, taints it with a huge heavy hand. Like it, it's just it adds an extra like fear element to it. And to be totally frank, like from some of my interactions on Twitter have made me afraid to interact on Twitter authentically and honestly, um, and to stand up for things that I, you know, believe in because like, frankly, right now, certain things on Twitter, like you can get fired and I'm a single mom. Like I have to support my kids. So there's like a whole other element of that where you, it's not like a, a bar conversation it's it's a lot of times used as like a historical reference but i don't think that's particularly helpful or healthy for anyone this is i i agree with that i agree with that yeah. i do feel Have like I, this? I go, go ahead. ahead no i'm not gonna no you go <laughs> ahead fine a friend of mine made this thing called feedfilter.ai that goes through and then uses some it looks like some very light regexes to like look for swear words or kind of phrases that are bad. And so you can, it'll just mark all of your kind of uh, swear words, so to speak, tweets, and then you can delete them. And that's what it's made for. And uh, so I looked at mine and it's like, it's like, just here's an example from 2015. My favorite think piece was titled, holy fucking shit, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, and it's like, and it, you know, and the idea is that Twitter has been long or like I think the the best example of this is like what is it brother nature you know he's like this famous guy now and then he got caught by saying some stupid shit when he was young and he's just like look I was 13 you know it's like we we have to have this kind of weird reality where people are young and using Twitter and saying stupid shit that includes us as well 
And now we're, we have jobs and we're professionals and we have to kind of represent ourselves and our families and our friends and, you know, all this history yet. Um, someone can go back and look what I said in, uh, you know, I don't even know when, but it's like, let me find an old one. These are all new, too new. <laughs> well, and, the, and like the platform, just like the ecosystem was different, you know, like let's just say a couple of years ago, like whatever was going on yeah. in your world was different. What's going on in their world. The, the tools are different. You know, uh, I remember someone calling me out years ago, probably the first year I was on Twitter just because I like retweeted uh, something they said, but because the text was too long when I copy and pasted it, this was back before you like could actually retweet. It was something you just had to copy paste type thing. Um, it left off like a letter of the person, the original posters Twitter handle. And so like back oh, then, yeah. if you retweeted without giving attribution, like they came, people would come after you. And so I like retweeted something and he like DM'd me super mad that I didn't um, use his handle at the end of it. And uh, I was like, you know, I, sorry, I have no intention to do that at all. And I feel like ever since then, I've just like really been gun shy on just my posture on what I share. And I make sure I like look at the yeah. links and it's just, you, things just change over time. Like you can't always... You think you can, you know, like everybody on this show, if I was to see your, something come up on my timeline that you um, retweeted or whatever, like in many cases, I just trust you inherently. So I'm going to probably maybe feel like I could just safely retweet this. But yet I've seen that backfire for people too, is they, they just kind of retweeted something without really reading the content. And then someone yeah. else was like, hey, I can't believe you just did that. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, for me, like I can link where I'm at right now, like career-wise, through Twitter. Like I, I oh yeah, where I'm at at Microsoft is because of relationships I built on Twitter. Where I, I was at Victor Ops previously, and then pre the jobs before that was was a direct relation, uh, direct line to me reaching out to people in the Boulder, Colorado community, like the tech scene, the, tar the startups, and just I think it all actually started by me asking if they ever needed an extra player for their kickball team. Like just some people I, I noticed on Twitter that worked at startups. I was like, hit me up. I love playing kickball. And then three months later, I'm working at a startup. And a lot of that's just because I paid attention to the people in my community, local community, not necessarily tech, um, and started building things from there. But I had to like be myself, but in like a very scared way. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think it's, it's interesting almost, you know, because we kind of started and Harper was mentioning working on the campaign. There are specific guards they put in place for him. But now it's kind of like the self guards that you have to put in place for yourself in order yeah. to maintain kind of that position in the, the greater tech community. I, I do want to express though that it's an impossible ask. So like I, I am no big deal, right? Like I am just- Oh, you're a big deal, Em. But <laughs> also, okay, no. Um, <laughs> no, but like for real, in the, the grand scheme of things, I am uh, really, really small. And yet, I have felt very distinctly that I am no longer like a whole person. I'm no longer human to some people online. I am a persona. I am a thing. You're a brand. I'm a brand. And that is very, very hard. It's much harder than people realize because, and like, again, this is a privileged complaint, right? Like I, I'm very grateful for the platform and, and I can do a lot of good with it. But at the same time, it's this ask of like, yes, be authentic, be yourself, tell the truth, be funny, um, but also never use the wrong word, never offend anyone, never say a bad joke, you know, like don't say anything inappropriate. Like I, it's an impossible ask. It's just an impossible, and you're going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. 
Well, I just found one. I was using that app, and I just found one, and I have no idea why. In March two thousand nine, I tweeted, "Fuck the IEEE." <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, you felt like, very strongly. Is that the, name, is that the name of your new record album? It is, but I was like, what did the IEEE do that I was so mad about? Like, is, like, is there such a, a seemingly innocuous org? It's, I'm just like, okay, good job, Harper. You know, MC Harper with straight MC out of Harper. Threadless. Straight out of Threadless. I was at Threadless then. Man, yeah. I probably, man they, they probably regulated some t-shirt tech or something. See, see how I put that together there? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm wicked smart. Does it feel like Twitter is like the main place where these types of like these hard uh, to solve relationship, um, like social media stuff is happening? Like what other social media, Har- Harper, do you use besides, besides Twitter? Is there any? Um, no, I mean, I use Instagram. Instagram yeah. is not like Twitter. At I was all. about to um, call you out on that 100%. You totally use Instagram. I don't. I do not use Facebook um, probably because what I find Facebook is well, actually, so I tweet a lot and I had my tweets go to Facebook and I, people interacting with my tweets on Facebook in this weird way that I never saw. And a friend of mine called me out in real life and was like, bro, I keep commenting on your posts. And you don't do anything. And I was just like, okay, I'll disconnect Twitter. Like I was like, I don't want to go there to that weird playground. Um, because it's all, it's all these people that I want to know about. Um, but I don't actually like how Facebook curates it. It actually, I think, creates more problems than not. So I just was like, nah, I'm not going to play there. Um, but I haven't deleted my account. I still have an account. Um, but I actually unfollowed everyone, 100% of my friends. And it creates this weird, you don't have a feed. Um, so if I want to find out about Emily, if I'm, if, you know, we're Facebook friends, I have to actually go to Emily's page and look at what they're up to like i don't i pushes puts the honors on me to curate my own interactions with my facebook friends um and what that's done is actually it's actually facebook has gotten more interesting for me because i have to remember who my friends are um because you, you, you facebook is just to add people it's like you know and it's like i don't know who these people are sometimes and so then i go there and i'm like oh yeah and then it's actually this thing but i'm making that decision not facebook's algorithm interesting yeah. Very interesting. What do you what do you post for Instagram? Are you like a real artsy photographer stuff, or just like whatever you're doing? <laughs> PJ is shaking his head. Yes. Um, <laughs> when I sold my company to PayPal in 2015, um, you know, as part of the acquisition agreements, there was some pretty serious IP stuff that was like anything you code is PayPal's, and uh, I code a lot for fun, and I do a lot of things that end up being somewhat public or open sourcing, and I just didn't want to deal with IP conversations. So I decided to get really into photography um, and it was a fun hobby and I like had some time. And so for the most part, I've carried a camera every day since December, 2015. Um, and it's been, it's like a heavy ass camera too, as I look up and see it, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, I like taking pictures of friends of like what we're doing, but I also like taking pictures of like landscapes and, and downtown. I'm not one, I, I don't feel like I'm like one of those street, street, not performers, uh, street photographers that take pictures of like, random people on the street looking kind of angry while they walk. I always feel creepy doing that, but hashtag like, what's this story. Yeah, I know. I know. It's like, I'm not, I mean, I, I feel like if you talk to them, great, but so many people are just like, you know, take a picture of some random dude. I just feel that's not very polite. So, but I, I really have fun. I need to push, I need to push myself to post more. I think that's where I get scared. That's amazing. Why do you get scared? Um, 
I think I've always been a tech person and sharing things that are a little more creative sometimes is a little uncomfortable because, you know, I, I, I have no issue with putting code up. And if someone says, this is bad code, I'll either already know it or I'll be like, no, it's not. Like, and I feel like I can defend that regardless of what's happening. And there's obviously people who are way better programmers than I, and that's, that's very true. But I also know what I, where I can hang. Um, and with photography or arty things, I just am uncomfortable with that. I'm don't, I, I don't feel like that's my strength. So when someone says, this part isn't good, I'm just like, oh my God, and the whole world crumbles, you know, and I'm just like, I'll delete everything. I've never taken a photo. Um, and it's, I get very do you, dramatic. Do you leave your account open or is it private? Oh, it's open. I, 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 I've thought about making it private, but I actually like the game of Instagram, like <laughs> the fun of like the, the weird comments and all the like follow me back stuff. I think it's really funny. And I'm terrible at like playing the game, but I like watching the game. And I'm also doing it to learn. Like I want people to comment and help me move mm -hmm. it forward. Um, and I think sharing publicly is also, I mean, you know, I, I wrote my first photo sharing app for myself in like 2003 um, based off of a, you know, a Sprint phone that I had that was made by Samsung that you could upload pictures with, you know, and it's like, I've been sharing my photos for a long time. It just, over the past three or four years, have, I've been trying to deliberately share things that I thought were good with quotations around good. Yeah. <laughs> cool. That's kind of what I use it to. I, I put me playing the guitar after way too many drinks and just yeah. random artsy things on there. But yeah, that's scary. Kind of showing the non techie, yeah. you know, strengths of, or not strengths, but what you, you know what your strengths are and then you start showing these other things. It's a little weird, a little yeah. But there's a, but there's a positive there too. Cause I mean, especially with Instagram, like with speakers and people in the tech space, it humanizes you. Like, yeah. you know, like, yes, I, you know, I've gone out and I've partied with each and every one of the people in this conversation. We have had drinks and we've had fun and we've had a good time yet. You know, when you look at Instagram and you see a picture of me with my kids, it's like, Holy shit, PJ's a real person. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. But, that is so true. You know, I won't put, the, I won't put as much on Twitter. Like yesterday I got a pedicure and my, and my nails are painted right now. That is so I put gross. that all over Instagram. That's but cool. uh, yeah, see, you're shaking your head. It's this judgment. It's a, I post on Twitter. Instagram to Twitter. Yeah, yeah I, I, I do some stuff. I generally, this is an interesting thing. I generally keep pictures of my kids off Twitter. Like mm -hmm. I'll take a picture and put it on Instagram, but I will not hit that share, share on Twitter button. That's interesting. I yeah. don't, I am. Which does, it doesn't matter now. They're like almost adults, but like <laughs> at the same time, like my life is not their life. They don't want this. Yeah. Theoretically. <laughs> what, Emily, are you on anything besides, I don't, you're, you're probably on other things. Yeah, I am. I have a Facebook account. I had, I like seven years ago, I went through a mass calling, um, of friends it's mostly for like i have one uncle and like some cousins it's really family um that i don't often see and then but i have had like an uptick in tech friends like true friends who friend me over there and i'm wondering if we're starting to like be more honest in facebook because it's like more protected a little bit than twitter is so public facing um not on instagram and uh I guess LinkedIn. Does LinkedIn count? I don't know. I accept every single <laughs> LinkedIn request I get. Every single one. Really? Because they're absolutely pointless. Yeah. I, like, I I'm like I'm connected with like fourteen thousand people on LinkedIn. <laughs> does it does it make you feel good about yourself? Like just a little no, bit. No, in no way it does <laughs> none of them are good. 
Yeah. Are you trying to replace Kevin Bacon on the most connected person in the world? Yeah, but you know what? Kevin Bacon is really well connected. <laughs> I'm hey, really I actually love I love LinkedIn. And I, I I have a challenge for you. Talk to young colleagues about LinkedIn. Because okay. most of my friends who are younger, like in their twenties, they're not as as cynical about LinkedIn as my friends who are have been in tech for a while. And I don't know if it was just that LinkedIn was just such a like cesspool of recruiters and bullshit for so long that like, but I've, I've started to re engage LinkedIn with really good success. And I did that after, after talking to some of the young engineers that I worked with and they were just like, yeah, LinkedIn's great. And I was just like, what? Like I thought they were, they were fucking with me, but they were true. They were, they were, they looked at it as like a good uh, social network for work. Interesting. Yeah. I've never said, I've seen yeah, maybe people this- that have had stuff go what seemingly seem or what seems to be going viral, like on LinkedIn, you know, like hundreds and hundreds of shares. And I'm just like, I don't know how people do that on LinkedIn. I've never really right. understood that how you're successful, but I've seen the same thing as Harper's was like, wow. Like people maybe that's really an like interesting, something about uh, inter- this. interesting thing to talk out, toss out to our listeners is, you know, it, as you're listening to this podcast, you know, just go on to Twitter at Harper, your thoughts on LinkedIn. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Actually, I'm looking he'll, forward. He'll to answer. I will too. Let me. I. I. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna look something up. <laughs> All right. Well, you look that up. So we've reached the point of the show where we do our checkouts. Um, for those of you who listen, this is a time that everybody gets to talk about a couple things they're into, whether that is tech related or not tech related, is entirely up to the person in charge, um, which is the person who is talking, which is right now me. Um, so anything you've been into for the past couple of weeks, I, uh, Jay, do you want to go first? Sure. 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 Um, I am just like up to my eyeballs in putting together demos and presentations and stuff for the Microsoft Ignite tour that um, is coming up here in just a couple of weeks. And so I've been using this one tool that I've heard about forever, but I just never, never got around to using, buying and then using. But ScreenFlow 8 has been awesome. Um, especially for just a lot of the stuff that that I'm having to put together little walkthrough videos and and create sort of like a video of all the demonstrations just in case the demo gods aren't friendly to me on stage. I've got like a backup. So anyway, that tool has been a, a dream in terms of just trying to create um, some nice video con- content. Um, highly recommend it. And then another one I just learned about today through a Slack channel um, is uh, it's an open source tool called Terminalizer, which uh, I haven't looked at it super close, but essentially... Uh, it will uh, take what you're doing in your terminal and turn it into an animated GIF for you so that you can use that in a presentation or something, um, which I think will be handy for a few of the things I got to do on a couple demos. So yeah, those are the two things I wanted to point out. They've been kind of neat tools I've heard about or used lately. Awesome. Emily, do you want to go next? Sure. If um, you, if you want to talk about your biscuits, you can talk about this is your opportunity. I was going to, I was going to bring up my biscuits. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I, my dog passed away last Monday. Oh yeah. Sad. Um, but he lived a really long life. He's great little dog, Loki. Um, he was really special. And so since then, um, I have Southern heritage and I make buttermilk biscuits and I have essentially lived on biscuits. We're lucky I'm not 400 pounds right now. Um, so I will post my recipe because it's fantastic. If you like, like biscuits, who doesn't like biscuits? Yeah. Really? Just in time yeah. for Thanksgiving. Yes. Yes. Um, and then my other two are non-tech related sort of um, brain exercises. Again, I talked about it earlier, but Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. She's just phenomenal. All of her work on vulnerability, 
I think it's super honest and super important, um, especially right now, given how like the societal climate is. Um, and then Pod Save America is my new podcast thing. I love podcasts. I'm an NPR fan, um, but it's from the speech a few speechwriters from the Obama team, and they're hilarious and incredibly knowledgeable about policy and politics. I just love that. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, and we'll have, as always, we'll have the links and stuff in the, in the show notes. Harper, do you have anything you want to share as a checkout? Yeah, I have three things. Um, the first one is Proxmox, which I'm sure y'all know about or have you played with, but it's like a neat virtualization platform that I have running across three boxes in my house, three NUCs that do, uh, uh, really, really nice VM fell over, which I never knew I needed <laughs> until today. Um, but that was fun. It was neat to buy like an actual distributed cluster with Seth and the whole bit for like under 2,500 bucks. That was kind of fun. Um, the next one is I just learned as I'm traveling is um, y'all know Mosh mobile shell. Yeah. Um, Mosh is awesome if you don't know. Um, but uh, you can actually use Mosh to connect via or through a bastion host to a host behind the bastion host by just doing Mosh space bastion host space SSH space host name. And so then you have this direct connection into your network via that bastion host um, that's, that's actually using Mosh. So it can survive shutting your computer down or like closing the lid and all that fun stuff. So it's really great with traveling. That's very um, cool. And I didn't know you, I didn't know you could do that. I knew you could connect directly to the, the Mosh server, but I didn't know you could, I mean, that makes sense. And then the final one is um, NK Jemison's books the the uh, what is it called the fifth season books holy moly these sci-fi books are blowing my mind um and i just love them and i can't stop reading them hmm. awesome so that's three to contend with all right so i will i will get mine i'm i'm going to start with a book um anyone who listens to the podcast knows that i'm kind of into the music thing um i dig it um and i was very excited when i was driving home a little while ago a couple weeks ago and i heard that the young Adam Horowitz and the young Michael Diamond have gotten together one more time to put together the Beastie Boys book. Um, and it's just called Beastie Boys book. It's available. It came out October 30th. I do not have a copy yet, but it is basically the story of the Beastie Boys, why these three guys were friends, why they just ended up doing what they were doing, how they did everything from coming up with No Sleep Till Brooklyn to the Tibetan Freedom Concerts and why they did it um, and how they remained friends through it all. So it's, I'm sure it's going to be an amazing story. So I highly recommend everybody check that out. Um, it's my birthday. So if you want to buy that for me soon, you know, that'd be awesome. Um, what? Today is your birthday? No, no. But probably by the time this episode comes out, it will be my birthday. Okay. Um, the other thing that I had, I was working on a project for uh, one of my clients and I found this awesome thing that does intro videos called Render Forest, where you can do cool things like take the company logo and put it in a bunch of ping pong balls that fall apart and then recreate um, or have like these cool electric waves that come up with the company logo and all kinds of cool techno music. So renderforest.com uh, for your video needs. Very cool. I highly recommend it. And I think that's all we've got for this episode. Um, I want to thank Harper and Emily. Thank you both so much for your time. Um, this has been awesome. Uh, remember when I talked about the 20 to 25 minute time limit? We weren't even close. We weren't even <laughs> That's my favorite part about this podcast. You talk until it's done. You talk until it's like, until it's done or until somebody's like, um, I got to get dinner. Yeah. Um, until Eamon starts getting to his second meal. Yeah. When Eamon gets into his dessert, that's when we know it's time to finish. Um, 
but yeah, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Uh, Emily is at editing Emily on Twitter. Harper is at Harper. That should be really hard to figure out. I am at a splenic. My name is PJ and with my co-host Jason hand, which is at Jason hand on Twitter. And we look forward to hearing from you next time. We are at community underscore pulse on Twitter and take care and have a happy holiday. Bye. This has been another episode of the Community Pulse podcast. Find us on Twitter at community underscore pulse, online at communitypulse.io, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'll see you next time.